Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast, I'm Tom Barbell and today I'm actually recording this one probably as live as you're going to get in the foreseeable future. I was anticipating our internet being out because it was out this morning but mysteriously it came back and I'd like to send a particular shout out to Dave Brazzer and all the folk that gave me compliments with my interlinking between the Beatles and rap music which I think I'd mention maybe, perhaps not in quite this context, but I think certainly I talked a little bit about my experiences in Liverpool on a stone ape. Maybe, well, maybe a couple of stone apes, who knows. In any case, thank you very much for all the positive words associated with this, because really, sometimes, I'm never really sure when this thing's going to work out, but sometimes I get things right, and it's always nice to hear from listeners when I get things right. Today, I had the opportunity to see the film Straight Out of Compton. This is a film I've been wanting to see through weddings and train shows and a bunch of other stuff. I haven't had a chance to see it, but I was able to drag my wife. I'm allowed to perhaps mention her in this recording. In any case, we went to see Straight Out of Compton, and then, somewhat as a reward for seeing Straight Out of Compton, we went and saw the new Mission Impossible movie. I'm not going to say anything about that film, but if you are taken to the Mission Impossible movie, perhaps by a spouse, brace yourself. That's all I have to say. Straight Out of Compton. And the lead up to the release of Straight Outta Compton gave me a lot of really interesting watching. In fact, I've probably watched about three hours worth of video from a fellow called Vlad TV. Sometimes I have time for, sometimes I don't have time for his stuff. I don't think I'm subscribed to him on YouTube, but I think I've watched a sufficient number of his videos that YouTube provides me his videos when they are on topics that might be interested to me. The characters, or the people actually, that he was able to interview were DJ Yeller, who was one of the DJs, probably more behind-the-scenes DJ, as well as Dr. Dre for NWA. Michelet, who was Dr. Dre's kind of long-term fiancé. Dre is the father of one of her children. And also a gentleman by the name of Lonzo Williams, who features relatively briefly in the film, but he was the guy who brought Dre and Yella together for the World Class Wrecking Crew, which wasn't really touched on at all in the film. There were lots of things that weren't really touched on in the film. But certainly coming to the film from watching the various YouTube interviews and also going back and watching some relatively recent Jerry Heller interviews. Jerry Heller was the initial manager of NWA. He had some interesting relationships with the various participants in the group. But just to kind of familiarise myself with him again... The Yeller stuff was absolutely fascinating. Michelet is an interesting character as well. She has an extremely high-pitched accent, almost kind of Muppet-esque. It's quite curious that an adult would have that kind of accent. And Lonzo Williams is just... He's a unique character. He has to be watched. So I would certainly recommend the Vlad TV treatment of these folk. And also they interview a bunch of folks that were part of Death Row Records as well, including Cole187um, who's quite an interesting character too. My anticipation towards this film was based in part on knowing what wasn't going to be in the film, because a lot of the stuff that these folks were interviewed about was clear didn't make it into the film, but just absolutely fascinating tapestry. The film is relatively familiar to me. I mean, I knew... So much about NWA as a kind of avid listener in my early teens, reading magazines, reading interviews, and just getting a sense of what was going on associated with them as a group leading up to the death of EZE, that I was wondering what I would actually take from this film. I was almost sceptical going into it because I knew, you know, characters like Michelet, who really were important characters, 
were not represented in the film, in large part because they were part of a kind of domestic violence, violence against women narrative that one of the executive producers, Dr. Dre, didn't want to include. And there were actually, interestingly enough, in the shorts for the film, there were scenes that weren't included in the final film, which is pretty standard. In terms of taking me back, however, to LA in the late 80s and early 90s, I was in LA in 1990. We didn't go to Compton, per se, but we went through some pretty rough areas of Hollywood and... I guess we probably went through areas, at least on the freeways, around Compton and Watts and these areas. But my recollection, particularly because I lived in an area that was relatively affluent, but went to a school where they bust kids in, was I could understand the whole kind of bust-in mentality. And this was also at a period just before Rodney King, where... Street gangs had kind of grown in LA in terms of number, in terms of violent attacks, and the ability to hear, you know, guns firing was still a thing in Westwood, which is where I live with my father and stepmother. So to go into the film and to get a sense of how are these actors going to portray these characters, particularly because initially coming to seeing who was in the film, most of the actors really didn't look like the people that they were playing. Made me think, oh, this could be really cheesy. This could be a bad experience. But I was stunned at how well it was put together. It was really a very thoughtful piece associated with the various participants. Now, it was summarised. There was a bunch of stuff which didn't happen. There was a bunch of stuff which was kind of combined together. There was a kind of emotional crescendo, which obviously had to be in the film in some regard. And ultimately, I think the depth of Jerry Heller as a person wasn't really addressed properly. But aside from that, as much as a film can convey, my wife was really thrilled with it. And I was worried that she would just think it was a bit of a cliche. But she really enjoyed it. And as someone who didn't know much about NWA coming to the film, I gave her a kind of preamble of who some of the characters were as we went, you know, to the cinema. But when she came out of the cinema, she was actually really interested in learning more about the various characters, or the various people, the various participants. And we talked quite a bit before we went and saw Mission Impossible over pizza and salad, associated with the raw energy of these various participants. And this is interesting associated with the discussions of kind of Beatles and rap music, because it was really emphasised in the film associated with the the work ethic, the kind of persistence and the insight. My concerns associated with the history were really that it didn't capture the initial meetings, the initial kind of semblance of the group. There was lots of stuff that were not really discussed to any depth. The role of certain characters... I mean, Sir Jinx is a relatively important character, particularly for Ice Cube's solo career. And he was there, but he wasn't really there. You'd see the film and you wouldn't really understand his play into it. And the Death Row Records stuff mm, was a little cliched. The thing that I liked was they interpolated the music, in particular the recording and performance of the music, in a slightly subtler way than I would have imagined. And in particular the focus on the Ice Cube track No Vaseline, which... 
at the time, certainly as I listened to it, I, I first listened to it in my paternal grandfather's house. I was out with him, staying with him for some period, and just found the tape somewhere in some store and picked it up. I really liked Ice Cube's Kill It Will, and I certainly liked The Predator and Lethal Injection. Ice Cube's kind of mid-range work, including Kill It Well, were the things that I owned. But then I went back to the back catalogue. I found America's Most Wanted, which, funnily enough, was released while I was in L.A., but I didn't actually pick it up in L.A. Kind of filled out the back catalogue associated with Ice Cube. As a faithful representation, one point I wanted to make was the role the wives played. And although I anticipated that there would be a certain degree of misogyny, the thoughtful role that the various group members' wives played associated with negotiation of contracts, associated with understanding, you know, things occurring, these kind of things. Very well done, actually. Although it was very much a Reader's Digest version of NWA, that was a pretty good film. And the actors and the fact that they looked different to the actual group members didn't really worry me after the first few minutes. I mean, it didn't really worry me from the start. So I would recommend Straight Out of Compton. As a lifelong fan, well, at least as a fan of the music, particularly when it first came out, it reminded me of the raw energy and the raw anti-establishment component, which I still have. I'm going to go and meet with the police. I'm organising a, you know, my Spartan Keys Neighbourhood Action Coalition meeting as the vice president. The president's going to be away. And I made sure that there would be a police representative there. And my respect and perspective associated with the police is based on action not based on some social perception of what the police should be and i think a large part of that can be attributed to the music that came out of la in the late 1980s and early 1990s john barbley in san jose signing out